0: Welcome in to the SEC Slow Smoked Podcast. I am your awesome host, Holt, and joined by Mr. J.B. Brooks. J.B., how's it going? I'm doing pretty well,
1: Holt. Um, Curious how you're doing. Uh, We just got finished watching an exciting SEC basketball game, and it's kind of a heartbreaker there with uh, Mississippi State losing at home to a really talented LSU team.
0: Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. So, anyway, today was National Signing Day, and – yeah. So, anyway, um, not a great day for Mississippi State, honestly. Um, I know most people probably don't care, but I'm a Mississippi State fan and, you know, lost out on, on some uncommitted guys that we didn't get. I mean, not that we really expected to get them, but I was hoping to get, like, at least one of them. And uh, then we'd go ahead and lose to LSU at home in basketball. Just uh, kind of rough, just keep staying behind the eight ball and SEC play. Everyone keeps telling us we're going to the tournament, but, you know, it's – uh. I just don't know why people think that. I mean, we're a 500 team in conference, so and below 500 with Kentucky coming up, so we didn't even yeah. play Tennessee yet.
1: Right. I mean, we'll get we'll dive deeper, you know, into this uh, issue, you know, later in this podcast. But as of right now, I think State is in pretty decent shape. But like you said, they've got to find some consistency.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But uh, that being said, uh, thank everybody for uh, for joining us uh, whenever you're listening, whether it be. You know, I guess, what's today, Wednesday? So I guess you're probably listening on Thursday, Uh, maybe Friday, maybe sometime next week. But uh, we're just going to give you a quick recap of uh, National Signing Day and just what all went down. And uh, we're going to talk about all 14 teams um, a little bit, Uh, not go too much in depth with, you know, any one of them, but just kind of cover everything and just see, like, where we're at and uh, all that. And then we will talk about some basketball also the second half of the show. Does that sound good to you, JB? Sounds like a plan. Let's go ahead and get started. So, obviously, uh, a lot of stuff's going on um, in recruiting. The SEC continues to just dominate like they do. Um, You know, the top, I think, three or four classes in the country are all SEC teams. Um, What uh, stood out to you?
1: Uh, Really, to me, was the uh, close that Florida had today. Uh, Florida's class was, I think, borderline top 15. And then they closed today, uh, depending on, you know, which uh, site you use. Uh, I mainly look at 24-7. And Florida came and finished with a number nine ranked recruiting class. I think before today started, they were hovering somewhere outside the top 15. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But that was an impressive finish for uh, Dan Mullen at Florida. Obviously, uh, Georgia flipping Pickens from Auburn, the five-star receiver, was a huge, bold move for them. Uh, another surprise I saw was, uh, Tennessee, uh, getting Henry to I think that's how you pronounce his last name. A, uh, four-star linebacker out of California to commit to them over USC and Alabama, who was apparently leading for his services. So, yeah, yeah those are the main uh, things that stood out to me.
0: Right. And just to let everybody know, we are going to butcher some names on this podcast, uh, unfortunately. Um, but that's just kind of how it goes. Um. You know, these guys aren't really famous yet, And unless you actually follow the teams that are recruiting them. It's kind of hard to keep up with uh, how to pronounce some of the names, so I'm with you on that. But, yeah, I, I agree with you about Florida. That was one of the things that stood out to me as well. Um, if there's one, uh, you know, I guess thing you can take away from this Florida class is they, they really loaded up on defense. Um, they signed a lot of really highly rated defensive players. Um, you know, obviously Chris Steele is already in school. Um, he's probably their highest rated recruit and, um, Kair Elam is the other guy's name, another corner. So they assigned two lockdown corners, uh, to kind of headline the class and, you know, they get a couple really talented linebackers as well. Um, and it isn't just from Florida, it's from, you know, all yeah. over the Southeast and Steelers from California. Yeah. So, uh, really, uh, impressive class for, for Dan Mullen his first year at Florida. Um, his quarterback, Jalen Jones is a four star dual threat guy. So, Um, he's someone who was committed to Mississippi state uh, when Mullen was still the head coach at state. So uh, pretty familiar with him. He's a good player and um, you know, just, it'll continue to uh, he'll continue to bring in his quarterbacks. And he's obviously proven what he can do uh, when it comes to evaluating quarterbacks. And, um, but one team that I really wanted to talk about was uh, Texas A&M. They really, I mean, they had the number three class in the country, which unfortunately is also the number three class uh, in the SEC West, or no, in the SEC. Sorry. Um, so, you know, you think you're doing really good, but then you look at the teams you're playing against, and you know, it's just it's just kind of tough. It's uh exactly. It's really cut yeah. there in the SEC. It but, is uh, the, fun-
1: the funniest stat. Holt is uh we got 11 teams out of the 14 in the SEC that are in the top 25 in recruiting on 24-7 sports. Mississippi State, they're 24th in the country, but they're only 11th in the conference. That's just astounding to yeah. me. Just
0: and just tell, it tells
1: you how talented this conference is and how big recruiting in the SEC is. Yeah.
0: And seventh in the division. So, I mean, all, all seven SEC West teams finished in the top 24 in the country. And then, obviously, you have two of the top three in the country. LSU, I think, it was number five. So, you know, it was a uh, – Really exciting uh, time if you're an SEC fan. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, just this Texas a class is just absolutely loaded. I mean, they literally – they fill all their needs, you know, whether it's offensive line, defensive line. Um, you know, they got some DBs and wide receivers as well uh, that are really highly rated, so just a really complete uh, – Complete signing class for them. They they did sign a quarterback. He wasn't super highly rated. Um, Zach Calzada, I think is how you say his name. He's just a, he's a three star from Georgia. He's yeah. so, from Georgia. Uh, right. So they did, you know, they they did a good job. Um you know, I'm not sure what their depth chart looks like behind Kellen Mond, but uh, you know, I don't really know much about this guy, but I mean pretty much they filled every Need on the field. I mean, they have a highly recruited player from just about any position on the field. I mean, it's just a complete total class. Um, Jimbo Fisher is uh, definitely earning his paycheck on the game trail. Yeah,
1: exactly. Jimbo Fisher is building a monster in in College Station. And also, one of the biggest hires he made this past offseason was the hire of Austin Thomas, who was originally at LSU and was at Tennessee for about two days before I ended up going to College Station to become the director of player personnel. That, to me, was one of the best hires that Jim Fisher made. Pretty much, you know, director of player personnel. He's pretty much like a recruiter, too, like a recruiting coordinator. Having him on staff in College Station makes a huge difference for him. And just, I feel like Texas A&M, every year under Jim Fisher, is going to have at least a top ten class, and a lot of years top five classes like the. The recruiting overhaul in Texas is outstanding, and it's going to be some battles between Texas A&M and Texas in that state for a lot of in-state recruits. And right now, I'd, I may get the edge to A&M over
0: Texas in the future. Right, yeah. And uh, it'll just come down to which coach can uh, develop, develop the players best and put them in the best position. Obviously, Jimbo Fisher is used to recruiting at a really high level and uh, coaching up those players uh, from his time at Florida State. So, you know, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely getting really tough in the SEC West. And um, going off of that, LSU, who I mentioned just a minute ago, finishes fourth in the SEC, um, number five overall in the country. And um, they filled some needs as well. Um, they get – obviously, you know, they recruit some big-time DBs, as they always do. Um, but uh, I'm really excited for John Emery, the running back. I think he's going to be an instant impact guy. I think that's something they kind of like this year was a big-time running back like they usually have. And um, I think him and uh, on Davis are both going to be able to come in and contribute next year, especially Emory. I, I really expect to – if we're talking about guys who are going to come in and make a big impact next season, uh, John Emory is that guy for me at LSU.
1: Yeah, I expect John Emory to be an instant impact uh, running back for them next year. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Uh, their, their class is loaded too. I mean, LSU has probably, the I would say, arguably the third-best class in the West. But even then, look at Alabama's class. They probably just signed the greatest class of all time. And we even, haven't even talked about them yet. But that just right. tells you how how loaded it is. But, yeah, going back to LSU, like, I really like Emory for them. I think uh, Stingley is going to be a really good, uh, obviously, an awesome defensive back for them, hometown guy from Baton Rouge. He's going to come in and make an instant impact. He was number three overall recruit in the country. I expect him to come in and fill the need next year. Like pretty much just keep that DBU tag going
0: for the LSU Tigers. Yeah, I agree. And uh, another um, guy to watch out for too is uh, Saika Ika. Uh, I'm really not sure how to say this dude's name, uh, but he's a defensive tackle from Utah six. Two and a half, three hundred and seventy-two pounds. I mean, that is just—that's a, like a bulldozer. So yeah, he's going to awesome. be, you know, that's one of those guys they've kind of been lacking these last few years. They—they stayed really strong in the secondary and at linebacker the last few years, but the defensive line for LSU hasn't been quite to the level that it's—it's it's usually at. And I think having this guy in the middle is definitely going to open some things up for their, you know, their edge rushers and stuff like that. So. It's definitely – it's hard to believe that LSU's defense could get better, but I actually do believe that signing a guy like this will help. And they did, unfortunately, miss out on a guy from in-state to Alabama. Um, if I can find – yeah, I can't say this dude's name either. Ish- Ishmael Shopsher. Uh, <laughs> I'm yeah. telling you,
1: we're having some fun. Dude, some dude, I mean, names. it
0: is tough, man. I don't know why people can't just be named like it's, Dave. It's, it's, like like...
1: A, it's like one of those Key and Peele <laughs> sketches. <laughs>
0: It really is, man. Uh, I, I just I know I'm butchering these names like so bad, but there's you know there's uh, there's only so much I can do. But people
1: get creative with these names.
0: Anyway, uh, you know this guy Ishmael, uh, we'll call him, is a uh, you know obviously a really highly rated player from the state of Louisiana. Nick Saban has shown that you know he's he doesn't really back down from anyone. He'll go straight into LSU and take a player out that LSU wants, which not a lot of teams can do. But uh, he's done it a few times over the years. And um, obviously, you know, we don't need to get too deep into Alabama's class. I mean, it's exactly like it always is. I mean, it's just stacked at every position. They sign uh, to his little brother. um, and uh, Talia. Yeah. So he's a quarterback. He's already enrolled in school. So really, uh, you know, just really complete class. I mean, just absolutely loaded um, at every position. I mean, they – you know, it doesn't matter it if is. it's skill players, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, linebackers, DBs. I mean, just everything. They just they're just completely like, stacked.
1: And of all the classes that Saban has signed, this may be arguably on paper the best class he's ever signed. And it's just it's just not fair. I mean, Alabama is going to continue to get whoever they want, whenever they want, as long as Nick Saban is the head coach there. Granted, uh, you know, you got Jimbo Fisher at A and M, uh. Kirby Smart at Georgia, those two guys are always still are going to be able to get a lot of big-time recruits as well. But Alabama is still the king in recruiting in the Southeastern Conference.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the only team that's really um, gotten close to him um, is going to be his former assistant, uh, Kirby Smart at Georgia. Yeah. Um, he also had a huge class, absolutely loaded, not quite to Alabama's level, but number two in the country. They signed some really big-time players. Um, especially on defense, just absolutely loaded up. Signed some really good receivers as well. You mentioned earlier, flipping George Piggins from Auburn was was huge. Um, just continued to load up on playmakers. They actually signed a guy from uh, Christian Brothers uh, defensive end. Just noticed that. And, yeah, they uh, loaded
1: up. They loaded up on the defensive line in this class too. I mean, you know, not just the guy from Christian Brothers High School in Memphis, but obviously the number one player in the country, Nolan Smith. And then you've also got the uh, number one JUCO player in the country, Jermaine Johnson, from Last Chance U Independence Community College.
0: Yeah. So, and I mean, all these signed... guys are going
1: to be instant impacts.
0: Exactly, yeah. And then they signed N'Kobe Dean, the number two linebacker in the country from Horn Lake, which is just outside of Memphis. So, they're, uh, they're, they're representing. We, uh, Georgia's always taking a few guys out of Memphis. It's kind of Oh, no, it's always been something they did. I remember uh, the Long Brothers that I used to play football with back a long time ago. They both played in Georgia.
1: The Long Brothers, and, uh, Marlon Brown from Hard- yeah, Mar- Harding
0: Academy. That's right, Marlon Brown. I was about to mention him as well. But uh, anyway, so uh, I guess we'll just move on to Auburn now since we were just talking about them. But, uh, you know, obviously they miss out on the receiver, but still a really good class. Um they were able to sign uh, Charles Moore today. That was probably their biggest mm-hmm. signing uh, that they weren't ex- that was uncommitted today from uh, Louisville, Mississippi. Uh, they got a few defensive linemen out of Mississippi this year. Um, you know, state of Mississippi is just full of defensive linemen this year, and uh, Auburn was able to get a couple of them. Uh, obviously, their their number one uh, main recruit is uh, Owen Papo. Yeah, uh, out of Georgia. That was
1: one. Yeah, that was one of the biggest ones for Auburn because <clears throat> for a time it looked like that Tennessee was going to flip him, but that was a huge win for uh, Gus Malzahn in the early signing period to hold on to Popo and keep him as his headliner in this class because he. That was a very big win for him, and I think I don't know what it was that he sold to him, but it was a huge win for Auburn in holding on to him because if they had lost him and Pickens combined. Man, that would have been that would have
0: been horrible for them. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, obviously the guy we've talked about before on the podcast is uh, Bo Nix, uh, quarterback. Yeah. You know. Adam. Yep. Right from penson Valley, um, number one dual threat quarterback in the country. Um, I don't know if he's going to come in and play right away next year. Um, it it kind of feel like he he will. Um, honestly, after they missed out on Kelly Bryant, I really. I think Gus Malzahn may be rolling with Bo Nix next year. What do you think? Do you think there's any chance of that?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're Gus Malzahn, like, we already know, like, his his ass is on the hottest, most thermonuclear seed I think we could ever remember, at least in the past few years in college football, compared to maybe, you know, Wes Miles a couple of years ago at LSU before he ultimately got fired. So, yeah, he's going to be – Gus Malzahn's going to be throwing the kitchen sink next year. And with him running the offense and with Nix being the kind of quarterback that fits this system, I will take that bet with you. I think that Nix has a good chance of being the starter on opening day next year.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you on that. And um, now we'll move to your favorite team, Tennessee. Obviously, uh, you mentioned them a little bit earlier, being able to sign uh, the linebacker from California and – Two really highly rated offensive tackles. Uh, one of them's already in school. Uh, another one signed today. So uh, just tell me about this Tennessee class and what stood out to you about it. For the most part, it filled
1: some needs. Uh, uh, obviously, they already had
0: uh, Morris, uh, Wanya Morris, already
1: enrolled from the uh, early signing period. I think, to me, their biggest, the biggest recruits they got, to me, the biggest wins were getting Morris, uh, Darnell Wright, the other offensive tackle, five-star oh. offensive tackle, uh Quiveras Crouch, the uh rated as an athlete, but most likely would be a linebacker for Jerry Pruitt in his system. And also Henry Tuoto or Tuoto. I am trying to pronounce his name perfectly. Tuoto. I'm gonna that's how I'm gonna say it. Tuoto. <laughs> uh he will be also a linebacker in his system too. Those were really big wins for him. Uh the offensive line, they took care of business at least on that on that end. Uh, it, this class kind of fills, ne- fills needs for Pruitt. Uh, it wasn't the biggest close for him because he, he got most of his guys during the early signing period. Uh, they were gonna they were trying to flip pickings. didn't really work. But overall, it was a pretty solid class. Uh, if you're a Tennessee fan, you really can't complain. It was a good class, good good first class for Jeremy Pruitt. And uh, right now, he's got to show the results on the field starting next year because he's going to have a lot of returning players.
0: Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, it's obviously when they hired Jerry Perot, this kind of what they're expecting to be recruiting really well. And he's definitely he's definitely done that, um, you know, not quite to, to Georgia's level, but Georgia's is kind of, you know, on their own right now as far as uh, the SEC East goes. But, uh, you know, it's good to see Tennessee and Florida step up and hopefully we'll start challenging Georgia going forward. Um, another SEC East team – that I think had a pretty sneaky good class and not a lot of people are talking about, is South Carolina. Um, obviously, they were able to get the number one player in the state. Uh, defensive tackle Zach Pickens. Um, from
1: radio school.
0: Right. So, big time. Uh, I didn't know that. Is, that. is that the school that he was yep. from?
1: Yeah, that's the school uh, that uh, radio uh, was the assistant at for, uh, you know, back with that Hollywood movie, radio was made. Uh, T.L. Hanna and Anderson, South Carolina.
0: Oh well. I, I did not know that. But uh anyway, definitely a uh, a big time get. And um, you know, they they Will Mushamp, you know, yeah, I mean I, he's not a great coach, but he is a really good recruiter and uh definitely showed in this class. Um I I didn't follow South Carolina's recruiting too much, uh to be honest. I'm just looking at their you know, just the guys they signed, so I don't know if there was some guys they missed out on or, or whatever. But I think big picture you have to Really be impressed with what he did um, in this class. Um, obviously, Jacques Sor- Sorrels or um is another big-time player they were able to get out of the state of Florida. And you know, like I was saying earlier, when you have those big guys, um, you know, and I was talking about with LSU, when you have those big defensive tackles that are really hard to move around and can be really disruptive, that can really uh, set the tone for a good defense. And um, that's just something to watch going forward. Um, they signed a couple other four-star. Defensive ends as well, including Joseph Anderson out of Murfreesboro. So, you know, they're they're definitely loading up that defensive line. And um, I think most impressive is uh, they were able to go out and get the number two pro style quarterback in the country out of California, Ryan Helensky. Yep, Jake um, Bentley's
1: future replacement. Yep.
0: Yeah, so that that's it's going to work out perfect. He'll be able to come in next year and either, uh, you know, hopefully be able to play. In just the four games, so he can keep his red shirt, and then uh, be able to take over once once Bentley leaves. But uh, definitely a huge gift for Will Muschamp. I don't know how Will Muschamp convinced the quarterback to come play for him, but
1: yeah, me neither. <laughs> I mean, you look at his history of <laughs> quarterbacks; it's not been pretty. But I mean, that's a great get for uh, Will Muschamp to get Helensky. Uh He's going to be pretty much taking the reins uh, starting in 2020 when Bentley graduates and. Like you said, uh, he could easily play just up to four games next year, keep his red shirt. But I have a feeling that Helensky ha- is probably going to be a three-year guy. He's really, really talented. I, I watched his tape. Uh, he's got a talented arm. He's got a lot of the arm talent. And we'll see how he develops at the college level. But I wouldn't be surprised if he plays more than four games because in a way I feel like he may be a three-year caliber player. That's how talented he is.
0: Right. I mean, th- there isn't uh... – you know, the big crop of quarterbacks this year, it's a lot of, you know, Bo Nix is a five-star and uh there may be one other one, but for the most part it's pretty much just a lot of four-star quarterbacks. There isn't a lot of, you know, like the top players in the country, like a Jimmy Clausen or, you know, someone like that, who, or Justin Fields who's like clearly one of the top, you know, like an elite quarterback. Um, but he is one of the top quarterbacks in the country for this year And, um, you know, one of the top 100 players in the country. So, I'm sure South Carolina fans are really excited about that. And uh, speaking of quarterbacks, JB, do you know which SEC team signed three quarterbacks today?
1: I am going to guess that it's Ole Miss or Arkansas. That is
0: correct. No, it's Ole Miss. I mean, it is I guess – Technically, Arkansas could have, too, because I'm not actually looking at their... My my first guess is
1: Ole Miss, but I was going to say Arkansas is my second guess. So it is Ole Miss.
0: Yes, it is. They signed Grant Tisdale, a four-star quarterback from Allen, Texas. I believe that's where Kyler Murray went, but I could be mistaken. Uh, Ken Ked Ked Dent, a pro-star quarterback from Jackson Academy. And they also signed a longtime Georgia commit uh, John Rice Plumley from Oak Grove down in Hattiesburg, uh, also a four-star. So they signed two four-star quarterbacks and a three-star quarterback. So very. Uh, I think um, they may give Plumley the opportunity to play quarterback initially, but I think most people project him long-term as a as either a DB or a slot receiver. But with uh, them. With Rich Rod coming in and them going to maybe more of a zone read offense, it'll be interesting to see how uh, he fits in with that. Um, but overall, <laughs> it was, you know, I'm not really sure how they managed to sign three quarterbacks in one class. I mean, usually usually once you have one, all the other quarterbacks are like, no, I'm not going there. So right, for, uh, Yeah, like yeah, this good, class good for them me, for pulling that off, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, this old Miss class to me is not like – it's not flashy – but it's also – it's really heavy, too. Like, it's going to be a heavy senior class in a few years, you know, if all these guys stay. Because they have 31 guys that were committed in this class. So, it's a very heavy class. I think a lot of you can attribute to the attrition from the uh, Hugh Freeze scandal a couple of years ago with guys leaving. So, they had a little more scholarships opened up. But it's not a flashy class, but it should fill a lot of needs and help Ole Miss get to these next few years, where which could be a little rough, especially next year with this roster that they're going to have coming back after losing a lot of guys from last year's talented team.
0: Right. But they they were able to get a couple of Juco defensive players that I think um, they're going to need to come in and play right away. And I think can uh, obviously they signed uh, Sam, Mc- Sam Williams in the early period. Uh, he's a really good defensive end that is definitely going to have to come in and play right away. And uh, today they were able to lock up uh, Lakia Henry um, from Dodge city there in, in Kansas. Uh, he's a four-star inside linebacker who I think is definitely going to have to come in and play right away. And that can be one of those guys that, uh, you know, is just able to set the tone a little bit and you have like that one really good player in the middle of your defense to, uh, to kind of, you know, set the tone and um, hopefully that can, you know, improve their defense going forward. Obviously bringing in McIntyre. Um, I do expect them to be better on defense next year, but uh, the big, Signing today was uh, for them was Jerry and Ely, uh, from Flo- right here in Flo- Florida. Yeah, he plays. Beautiful flood- Uh, right across the street from where I- I'm currently sitting right now. Um, it was it was really big for them. He was committed to Ole Miss for a long time. He's a five star running back. Um, decommitted a couple weeks ago to take a official visit to Clemson, and a lot of people thought he was going to flip to Clemson. Then he took a visit to Alabama last week. Um, but Ole Miss is able to get him back in the class, and this is huge uh, for them. I, I can't even remember the last time Ole Miss had a big-time running back uh, playing for him. I mean, I, I uh, know Deuce McAllister, yeah. but I'm sure there's been one since then.
1: No, no. I mean, I would say Dexter McCluster's probably been the best one they've had since then. I
0: mean, yeah, they moved him around. Oh, Brandon Bolden was good. That was like the same Brandon time Brandon Bolden was
1: solid. I probably would say uh, uh, Dexter McCluster. Dexter McCluster was just really, really flashy.
0: Oh yeah, but they they moved him around a lot.
1: They did but, like uh, when McCluster had the ball in space, like he was incredible.
0: Yeah, Ely is a really good player, and I expect him to definitely get in the rotation with Scotty Phillips next season. I think that has a chance to be a really good one-two punch. Um, just one thing to watch out for with Ely is he is a big-time baseball prospect as well. Um, there was a mock draft I saw last week that had him going number nine overall in the in June's draft. Um, so that is something to watch out for, but from everything I've heard, he is pretty committed to playing football. He really wants to play. Um, he wants to play college football for at least a year. I think he said, so, you know, I I don't know how that's going to go. Um, obviously this whole Kyler Murray thing has been kind of crazy. So I don't know if that's going to scare some MLB teams off or, or what the deal is going to be, but that's just something to keep an eye on with him. Um, if you're an Ole Miss fan, just, you know, wait for that June draft roll around and just see what happens. Um, and then they were also able to sign a couple of four-star receivers, uh, which is good. Obviously, they're having to replace the light at that position. So, you know, Then they've got some guys that backed up this year who can play as well. So, I don't see uh, Ole Miss' receiver slowing down anytime soon. No, Ole Miss is
1: kind of like another wide receiver you in the SEC. There's not going to be any issues with a wide receiver for Ole Miss for the foreseeable future.
0: No, definitely not. Um and speaking of good receivers, um, Arkansas actually had a really good receiver class. I think when we did the first signing day show, we may have talked about this a little bit, but uh, they signed not only some highly ranked receivers, but some big receivers, like some really tall guys. Uh, they signed; they already enrolled uh, Trey Knox, a uh, four-star 6'5 receiver from Murfreesboro, and uh, they were also able to sign Traylon Burks, uh, 6'3", 225, four-star from right there in Arkansas. Yep. And um, also T.Q. Jackson from the state of Texas is also a four-star composite, right. 6'3", 188. So not only are they getting some highly ranked receivers, mm-hmm. but some, you know, really big bodies out there on the perimeter right. of Arkansas.
1: And also, I think the best signing that's going to be a future weapon for them is Hudson Henry, the tight end out of the Pulaski Academy in Little Rock, Arkansas. I think that's going to be uh, – Uh, one of Arkansas's biggest targets in a couple of years. Uh, He's got all the tools. He's a very uh, physical, fast tight end. He's going to create a lot of mismatches in this conference.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, we heard a lot about Morris's connections in Texas, uh, but he actually did a really good job in Louisiana as well, going down and getting a four-star corner from New Orleans and Devin Bush. Uh, They were able to flip another four-star Gregory Brooks from Mississippi State in the first signing period um so they did a really good job in the state of louisiana as well um so it's really good to see for uh, chad morris being very resourceful obviously arkansas is a good state for talent but not quite as much as some other sec states so they will have to go out of the state to get a lot of players so yeah exactly and arkansas definitely good I, well, to see that
1: and yeah and, and like we said like he has a, chad morris has a lot of texas connections and there's plenty of talent to go around in the state of Texas. So there'll be plenty of guys for Chad Morris to get. And this is a really good class for Arkansas. This is, for Chad Morris' first class, it's a lot better than any class that Brett Vilem ever brought into Fayetteville. So this it's a step in the right direction for Arkansas. If you're a Hog fan, you've got to be pleased with this class. It, it's not, you know, the greatest class ever, but this class is a good uh, cornerstone for the future that Chad Morris is building in Fayetteville.
0: Yeah, and um, I have seen K.J. Jefferson play a few times. Uh, he's the quarterback they signed who also is a composite four-star. Um, he's listed at 6'3". I actually thought he was taller than that. Um, he's from North Panola High School um, out there, you know, outside of Batesville. So he uh, he's a really good player. He's got a good arm, got some athletic ability as well. Um, you know, stands really strong in the pocket. I like him uh, a lot. Mississippi State uh tried to make a run at him um to be their second quarterback in this class after they committed Schrader. And um obviously he wanted to go be the only quarterback in another class, so works out well for Arkansas there. And um you know, it, it looks like Chad Morris is moving in the right direction as far as talent goes. You know, obviously that was the big thing this year was uh you know, we talked about how the talent didn't really fit what he wanted to do. And now he's been able to bring in some of his own guys. So uh, it'll be really exciting to see uh, where this offense goes uh, going forward. That being said, uh, we're going to move on to Mississippi state. Uh, This next on the list. And uh, they did, even though they missed out on some guys today that they, they could have signed overall, they, they did have a pretty solid class. Um, Especially on both lines of scrimmage, uh, they signed a five-star offensive tackle that they were able to flip from Florida State. Um, you know, they signed Nathan Pickering, one of the top defensive tackles in the country. That's really in a position of need. Um, he may come in and start in Jefferson's place next season. Uh, that's that's what how people are talking about him. Um, Under Armour All America, one of the you know top interior defensive guys in the country. So that's definitely good. And uh, Garrett Schrader. Is, uh the quarterback, that was the first offer that Joe Moore had made when he got to Mississippi State. Um, he, was a, he recruited Schrader to Penn State when he was offensive coordinator there, and that was kind of like his first, uh, you know, I guess kind of project on the recruiting trail was getting Schrader in this class, and they were able to get him out of uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, 6'5", 215. Um, he's listed as a dual-threat quarterback. He's, he's got a really good arm, but he's also got some athletic ability as well. So, uh, you know, uh, kind of similar with Arkansas. We talked a lot about, uh, you know, Morehead and Morris not really having uh, their guys on offense this this past year, and it really showed. And um, with Morehead bringing in Trader, hopefully that can be, uh, you know, something going forward. Yeah. Um, curiosity, all- did
1: you did curiosity hold? Did you ever get a chance to see uh, Jerry and Jones play out of uh, Northwest Rankin?
0: Yes, I did. Um, he's also a really exciting player. He's listed as a DB, but he played a lot of receiver in high school, and he's really athletic. And, uh, you know, I mean, obviously it's 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 kind of tough uh, watching guys in high school because they're usually just so much uh, better than everyone else on the field. And, I mean, they would literally just throw him the fade, uh, and he would just go get it every time. But, yeah, I think he's probably going to play either corner or safety for state. Um Another four-star kid, Under Armour All-American. The state of Mississippi was was really really loaded this year, um, but yeah, I'm really excited about him as well. And um, but overall, um, they did pretty well on both lines of scrimmage. They signed uh, you know five-star offensive tackle, four-star offensive lineman, and a couple more uh, guys with some decent offers. And uh, they did really well on the defensive line you know, as, as I was talking about, so, you know, doing really well on both lines of scrimmage and they send their quarterback. So it's kind of hard to be disappointed in that. Um, I would have liked to see them get some more skill position players on offense. Um, you know, they do sign two running backs, but they're only going to have four on scholarship next season. So if something happens to Kylan Hill, you know, they could really be in trouble, um, cause they don't have a lot of depth behind them. And, uh, you know, receiver is still kind of a black hole for Mississippi State. They signed two guys um, in the early period and then another guy today, another Juco guy today, but I don't really see any of them being difference-making type players. Hopefully I'm wrong, but that's just something to watch going forward is that receiver position has really been a problem for Mississippi State. Um, and another school that's been having some problems on the offensive side is Kentucky. Um, they signed a, you know, a solid class, Um you know, Jerry Casey, JJ Weaver, and Moses Douglas are all three guys. I think they can build around, um, you know, they're all, all three solid players. Um, you know, maybe not like super flashy, but, you know, when you look at this class, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of a typical Mark Stoops class, you know, that it's, it's a lot of underrated guys and guys that he's going to come in and develop. And he's proven that he can do that. And, um, you know, I don't expect really any of these guys to make a big game by next season, but, you know, with that coaching stuff and how they've been able to develop players, I think, uh, you know, some of these guys may turn out to be uh, some Josh Allens or Benny Snells in a few years.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, this is this is a typical class from uh, Stoops. Uh, <clears throat> they've relied heavily on development. Guys that, <clears throat> you know, weren't really highly recruited out of high school and then you know, turn you know, blossom into sunflowers. Like I, I expect, all, a lot of these guys to develop. That uh, this is nothing out of the ordinary for Kentucky. And coming off an extraordinary uh, ten and three season with the uh, Capital One Bowl win over Penn State, uh, this is Kentucky just is in the, going in the right direction. Uh, they might take a step back next year, considering the guys they lost, but not as much of a step back as some people think. Uh, this class fills a lot of needs for them. And it'll help them going forward too. Because I think uh, Mark Ships has done culture in Lexington, and I expect them to uh, be a winning team from here on out.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I mean, it's not, I'm not saying these guys are bad. That's not what I mean at all. They sound some oh, good yeah. some good players. Uh, absolutely. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, in your Kentucky, you just have these, uh, I, I don't know, I don't really know how to say it, but just, you know, you bring in these guys and no one's really talking about them and, you know, you just gotta develop them, and they turn into great players. I mean, just because you're a three star doesn't mean you're not gonna be a good player. It just means that you're not like expected to come in right away and be like a superstar. But uh, Mark Stoops has definitely proven that he can uh, develop those players and turn them into big time players.
1: Exactly. And then uh, we got another got another school that uh, had a pretty good class today. Uh, the school in Columbia, Missouri, the Missouri Tigers uh, had a pretty decent class today. Good good class for uh, Barry Odom. Uh, it's a little bit better than some of the classes I think they've had. Uh, I haven't really looked at their previous classes. I think last year they had a class that finished somewhere in the forties. Uh, this year they finished, uh, nationally ranked at uh, 36, according to 24 seven. I don't know which, uh, what side are you looking at? Holt?
0: Yeah. I always just look at the composite just cause it's easiest. The 24 seven composite rankings. Yeah. yeah. That's,
1: that's what I use. Yeah. But yeah. It was a good class for them too. Uh, Jelani Williams uh, was one of the early enrollees out of uh, Parkway North. Uh, Going to be a really solid safety for them. Uh, like you said, it's, or like not, not like you said, like I said, I think this is a really solid class for uh, Barry Odom. Uh, he's kind of establishing a pretty good culture in, in Columbia. They had a couple good years with Drew Locke, quarterback. They got Kelly Bryant next year. It was really a really a fortunate situation for Missouri football to have the postseason ban coming in next year off off the uh, incidentally investigation so uh, it's kind of surprising you know bad timing too that this happened right before signing day but luckily i don't think it really affected them as much and uh, it was a pretty solid class for them
0: yeah i think just the fact that it's just next year i think um it's probably you know probably okay i think if it had been like a multi-year thing it probably would have hurt them a little bit more in this class but yeah definitely bad timing and just really sucks honestly like It just sucks for, you know, I mean, it sucks for the fans. That's usually who I think about um, when this stuff happens because, you know, if if it's your school that something like this happens, like, you know, you had no part in it, like, it had nothing to do with you, but, like, now your favorite team is, like, in trouble, and it's just, I don't know, it just sucks. It um, does. From everything I've heard, it doesn't even sound like it was even that bad. Like It was,
1: not like, North Carolina had a lot worse fraud than Missouri, but, of course, they said they didn't do it, and Missouri admitted to it. So Missouri gets punished for, you know, at least admitting that they had done wrong. But, you know, that's that's an argument for another time. But you know what sucks for them is that Missouri's going to have a pretty decent team next year, a team that's definitely going to be bowl eligible, but they're not even going to get to go to a bowl.
0: Yeah, it it really sucks. And I also just feel really bad for Kelly Bryant because all this stuff happened before he even got there. And he had to go through this whole process of, you know, transferring after he – you know, gets beat out by, you know, maybe one of the best quarterbacks to, you know, I hate to say this, like, at this point, but, you know, maybe one of the best quarterbacks of all time just happened to come in, like, right behind you, just a historic talent, and uh take your job, and then yeah. you get, like, one chance to go have, like, one last year somewhere and, like, try to do something big, and I think he made a really mature decision about picking Missouri, too, because, you know, I obviously it's not... I mean, there's nothing wrong with Missouri, but, like, you know, it's usually, like, when people are thinking of, like, if I could go to college anywhere in the country, they're usually thinking somewhere like Miami or, like, Southern California or, you know, somewhere close to a beach or something like that. But he went to a place where he knew he fit well and he knew that he had a good team coming back next year. Yeah. And, you know, I just think he made, like, I think he made a really mature, like, smart decision to go there. I think it was a really good fit. And, you know, to have this happen, you know, it's just, like, If I'm him, I'm just thinking, like, man, like, can I catch a break around here? Like, what's going on? Exactly.
1: Like, he went – I mean, Missouri was a good choice for him because it's a very quarterback-friendly offense. It was going to let him put up some good numbers next year and, uh, you know, help him out in playing also in in the SEC too, playing some SEC competition. It was going to help his draft stock going next year. And and even with the bold man, it's not going to hurt his stock whatsoever. It just sucks, though, because, you know, at the same time, he still wants to compete. In the division and compete for a really good bowl berth, and that's just not going to be possible. And it, it was unfortunate for him at Clemson that he's got the best quarterback prospect in the past decade coming in as a true freshman and taking his job when he's a senior. But for Kelly Bryant, I think it's still going to be a win-win for him in the end because I still think he chose the right situation going to Missouri because it is
0: a quarterback-friendly system, and he will put up some good numbers in it. Right, and then uh, obviously they signed another four-star quarterback, Connor Blazik, or uh, Bazilak, excuse me, um, from Dayton, Ohio. So he's the guy that uh, probably come in kind of similar to, you know, what we were talking about with the guy at South Carolina, where he's just going to come in, probably play in his four games next year, keep his red shirt, and then uh, he could potentially be the guy after Kelly Bryant leaves in 2020.
1: Yep, so I mean – like you like you talked about with, uh, Florida earlier, uh, th- he probably will, uh, red shirt, I would say probably maybe play four games next year if possible, but I would think that, uh, Barry Odom will try to get him red and have him ready to go in 2020 after Kelly Bryant departs.
0: All right. And, uh, last but not least, we will talk about the Vanderbilt Commodores, Derek Mason, um, sons, another, you know, good class, um, you know, number 57 in the country, last in the SEC. But, you know, I mean, being last in the SEC really isn't anything, you know, <laughs> to be upset about. I mean, you're still recruiting at a pretty high level. Um, but, anyway, it'll be, you know, I don't know. What What do you have uh, to say about this class? Really anything? I mean, it's
1: what you would expect at Vanderbilt. I mean, you know, you're not going to be able to compete in the top 30, top 25, at Vanderbilt for recruiting, I mean, it's just, it's hard to do that in football recruiting, especially at a high academic institution. But Derek Mason is getting the most out of the guys that he has. He's established a culture where you're not going to go to a bowl every year, but you're at least going to compete. And then you'll have a you know that one season every couple of years where you probably will get into a bowl. And that's what you can expect at Vanderbilt, and that's what that's the expectations there is to compete every year and then go to a bowl every few years and. This class will just continue what Derek Mason has built.
0: Right. And they Vanderbilt always plays, you know, really hard and uh they were in a lot of games they played this year. Um and they also signed a defensive end from Christian Brothers, uh Christian James. So I guess that Christian Brothers uh defensive line this past year was pretty nasty with him and uh the guy from uh Georgia I forgot his name. But uh anyway, definitely a uh you know, really exciting uh, signing day for all of us SEC fans. And, you know, I guess now all we really have is like spring practice and like the spring games that we can all freak out about for no reason. (laughs) And, uh, it's, it's kind of sad because, you know, like the end of football season, you know, feels like the end, but really it's not the end until signing day. So now it's kind of like officially over and, uh, you know, I'm gonna have to start. You know, I know baseball starts a little bit, so I'm gonna be into that. I know you're into basketball, mm. and I try to keep up a little bit, but not quite mm. as much. Right,
1: but uh, that wraps it up pretty much for uh, National Signing Day, and that, and at least in that department, I would like to move on and talk a little bit about basketball. Uh, you know, we're in early February now, so we're getting into the home stretch for uh, conference play. Uh, this week marks the halfway point in conference play. Uh, through conference season, so now is when you really got to buckle down and start getting some quality wins for the teams that are in the middle of the pack in order to, to make it to the big dance. As of now, uh, we've got three teams that I think are in solid position with Tennessee, Kentucky, and LSU. I think all three of them are almost lock, or pretty much locks to make the tournament. Tennessee and Kentucky are definite locks, no matter what they do the rest of the season. I think both of them are locks. LSU, I think, is almost lock. But after that, it gets a little bit tricky. I don't know if you've been falling hold, but uh, Mississippi State with that loss tonight, uh, that's going to hurt them a little bit in the long run because they needed this quality win tonight against LSU. I think LSU, I mean, uh, Mississippi State is in the uh, middle of the pack right now. I think they're still probably in the tournament. Uh, After that, we've got uh, Auburn. Auburn has kind of hit a little rut uh, midseason. But I think as of now, if they continue their trend and maybe finish 500 the rest of the season, they should be in. The programs I'm a little concerned about now are Ole Miss and Florida. Florida has been really inconsistent. Uh, they've showing in the, in the non-conference schedule, but they have all the talent in the world, but they just haven't been able to find any consistency. They need to find some more quality wins this rest of the season in order to make the tournament. And as of now, I don't have them in the tournament. Ole Miss, I have them in, but I have them more hovering around the uh, nine and ten seed range, which is just barely in. And Alabama, Alabama is one of those teams that be really tricky because they're ultra-talented. They have a really good coach in Avery Johnson. But just like last year, they're going to be hovering on the bubble the rest of the season. Uh, they're currently sitting at, I believe, four and four in conference play or five and four. So uh, as of now, I, I think I would put them in as maybe an 11 or a 10 seed. And then, lastly, uh, another team I'm putting on the bubble now is Arkansas. They're currently sitting at 14 and 8. If they win this Saturday and finish 15 and 8 uh, on the week, or be at 15 and 8 after this Saturday against South Carolina, I will put them firmly on the bubble and in consideration. But if, if your school hasn't been mentioned. That would be Vanderbilt. Let me see. Who I have not mentioned yet, Holt?
0: Texas A&M, South Carolina. Yep. So,
1: Texas A&M, South Carolina, Vanderbilt. And Georgia. You, in Georgia if those, those to me, you're going to have to win the SEC tournament in order to make the tournament. I, don't, I South Carolina had a chance to get on the bubble, but with last week and uh, the game that they lost last night to Kentucky, yeah, I would pretty much take them off the bubble. Uh, they're going to have to probably win the conference tournament. So, uh, do you have anything to say, Holt?
0: No, I mean, it's just the SEC is really tough this year. I mean, it's – you know, obviously you have Tennessee as, like, a clear number one. You have Kentucky as a clear number two. And then I think you have LSU as a clear number three. And then after that, it's just kind of, like, depending on who's at home and who's got the hot hand that night. I mean, pretty much anything can happen.
1: It is. Like, when you look at the mid-pack in the SEC, like – I mean, obviously, Tennessee and Kentucky have been out cl- of the class of the SEC. LSU's right there behind them. But after that, there's a lot of separation. And between Auburn, Ole Miss, Alabama, Mississippi State, Florida, those are really like the mid-pack teams and even Arkansas. And then you got to meet the bottom four, Missouri, Georgia, A&M, and Vanderbilt. Those four, as of now, all- the only chance they're going to have of making the big dance will be winning the SEC tournament. Now, as for your school, uh, whole Mississippi State, I would put them at right now, even with the loss tonight, they're probably still a six seed, which is not really no man's land. A six seed is a really good seed to have going into the tournament because it puts you up you know, against an 11 seed in the first round and then potentially a third seed in the second round. The seed that you get is an eight or a nine because to me that is absolute no man's land for this NCAA tournament. That's not where you want to be because – Regardless, you're going to have a first round game that's going to be extremely difficult, and then if you somehow manage to get past that game, you're going to be facing the number one seed in your bracket that next uh, game. You know, two days later. So if you're Mississippi State, you got to be able to string together some wins and stay out of that range. Obviously, I think State. You, if you're a State fan, you do want to make the tournament. I think they still will make the tournament. I don't. I'm not worried about them at all, but they need to to uh, string together some more wins starting this Saturday against Kentucky in order to stay in that 5-6 to six range.
0: Yeah, and uh, they still have Kentucky and Tennessee left on the schedule, but other than that, uh, it does lighten up a little bit. The first half of the Commerce schedule has been really tough, but uh, the second half should loosen up a little bit, and they should be able to, you know, if, if they can get through the stretch 500, then I think they can finish the season on kind of a strong note and hopefully, uh, hmm. you know, maybe do something in the SEC tournament. But uh, you know, that that being said, I do want to ask you a couple of questions. Um, like who obviously Ole Miss has been a pretty surprise a big surprise so far this year, but who like who's been your biggest surprise? Like who have you been really impressed with in the SEC that you weren't expecting it from? Uh the team I've been most impressed with, uh,
1: is LSU. Like I expected them to be like a solid team this year. I did not expect them to be a uh team. team. Like I expected them to be maybe a borderline top twenty five team, but for them to be 8 and 1 conference play right now and 18 and 4 overall, it's remarkable what Will Wade has done. And this is at LSU. Like, he is an outstanding coach. LSU got a home run higher, getting him out of Virginia, Virginia Commonwealth. And Will Wade, let's say, this guy is only in his mid 30s. He started off at UT Chat. Uh, their point guard, Tremont Waters, is unbelievable. He's got a lot of quickness and speed. And this LSU roster is relatively young, too. So, this is a lot of future talent for a uh, well-weighted LSU. I'm really impressed with them uh, for, for a while. South Carolina was impressed with me beginning conference play, but they're kind of starting to fade a little bit down the stretch. Obviously Ole Miss impressed me too, uh, beginning conference play, but I think a lot of coaches have got more film on this Ole Miss, Ole Miss team against better competition and are able to game plan a little bit better. Ole Miss is one of those teams that's really good beyond the arc. And if they're, if they're hitting those shots, they could beat a lot of teams, but if the shots aren't falling, it's going to be a really tough sledding for them.
0: Yeah, and um, just going back to LSU, they are – I mean, they're so athletic. I mean, they're just like they – got so many big guys. they got so many offensive rebounds. Uh, you know, obviously Waters is just ridiculous. Um, and I don't think he's really an NBA prospect either because he's so undersized. So he's someone yeah. who could, you know, be in the SEC for, you know, all four years. I think he's a sophomore this year, and, I mean – I've only seen him play, you know, obviously he played against State a couple of times and he's absolutely killed us, like every time we played him, so it sucks that we're going to have to get used to him being around for a while, probably.
1: It is, and I want to give a call also out to uh, the Kentucky Wildcats. Their first game of the season, they absolutely got pummeled by the Duke Blue Devils in their opener, season opener. Kentucky has been the most improved team in the conference in the past month. Uh, they've John Calipari has completely turned things around. Uh, That grad transfer, Reed Travis, has been really, really good for them. P.J. Washington's improved. Montgomery's improved. I really like this Kentucky team. They're playing really well together as a cohesive unit. They've won nine straight. Uh, That game they play in a couple weeks in Lexington against number one Tennessee is going to be an absolute barn burner. And the way I'm looking at Tennessee and Kentucky's schedule from now until then, I think both teams run the table. And there's a good chance this could be a number one versus number two Tennessee versus Kentucky game, which would be a really remarkable game to have for the SEC.
0: Yeah, that would be huge. Um, You know, obviously Tennessee has been kind of the class of the league um, this year. I know that's part of the reason why you're so excited about basketball this season. Um, Do you think – I mean, obviously they're in really good shape to be a one seed, but you think this is the team that – that uh, is built to go to the Final Four and maybe win a national championship.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I, to me, the Tennessee team has all the tools to do it. Like, what you look for in a tournament team is good guard play, experience, and discipline. This Tennessee team has all those. It passes the eye test. It's got a really awesome point guard in, in uh, Junior Jordan Bone. They've got a really great post player players in Grant Williams and Kyle Alexander. Really good wing players uh, that can make threes with uh, Admiral Schofield, uh, Lamonte Turner, Jordan Bowden. Bowden, to me, is probably the sixth man of the year in the SEC. He's been outstanding. He was the starter last year. He has been now moved to the bench and the first man off the bench. Uh, He's probably going to be the sixth man of the year. He'd be my sixth man of the year. Uh, You got the best thing about their their team on offense is they're averaging 87 points per game. But they're able to really space the floor because they've got three shooters in Bowden, Turner, and uh, Bone, and even Schofield. All of them combined are shooting over 43% when you combine all their stats together. That's really helping them space the floor and helping Grant Williams to not be double-teamed down low. So if you're in defense, that's really stressful because you can't – if you double-team Williams, you're leaving one of those guys open out on the perimeter. And if you don't double-team him, you're going one-on-one against Grant Williams who – other than Zion Williamson, he's probably the best post, post player in college basketball. So it, it's it's very tough to defend that Tennessee team. Their defense efficiency is roughly around 25th in the country. It should be a little bit better for them to be a championship team. But as of now, I definitely would slate them as a Final Four team. But their defensive, defensive efficiency has got to be a little bit better, in my opinion, for them to win a national championship. But as of now, I think they're definitely a Final Four team.
0: Yeah, I could tell you're really itching to talk about Tennessee, and I just had to—I had to let you loose there for a minute on uh on our listeners. And you got you gotta let the dog eat sometimes. I know you're uh, dying to uh <laughs> to talk about Tennessee. Um, all right. It's good to be elite in something for one
1: year. I mean, I mean, I expect them to be pretty good next year, but at least to finally be really, really good in something and be elite is—it's—it's been—it's great. I mean, it's been a, it's been some hard times in Knoxville. So, yeah, I, it's an exciting team, and I'm enjoying the ride. And we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, well, uh, give me your most disappointing team so far this year. Obviously, you know, there's been a few of them. We mentioned some of them already.
1: Uh, unbelievably, it's no question it's going to Vanderbilt. Uh, losing Garland doesn't help at all. I mean, I, I think. A lot of it has to do with losing their uh, start point guard, freshman point guard, Darius Garland, to a season-ending injury. That dude must but, have been I mean, really
0: old. good, is all i got to say. That, that dude must have been awesome.
1: He was. Like, he was a five-star recruit. Uh, he was going to be a uh, projected lottery pick going into the NBA draft this year. He was really, really talented player. Uh, I mean, I had Vanderbilt in the preseason as one of my SEC tournament teams. Like, I had no doubts in them. But uh, Bryce Drew and this team, like – they just have no identity. Like, they have not really been able to hit on the stride since, since Garland went down. And they're 0-9 in conference play. They were, I think, 9-4 and going into conference play. And they have lost 10 straight. So, this is they're the most disappointing team in the SEC this year. Uh, it almost feels like Bryce Drew has kind of lost the team a little bit. They nearly upset Tennessee a couple weeks ago. Uh, lost to them in overtime. Should have had the game won and let it slip away. But other than that, Vanderbilt is definitely my most disappointing team.
0: All right. And uh, lastly, we are coming up on the one-hour mark uh, when we usually like to try to get out of here. But uh, I just have to ask you one more question. Um, What have you eaten lately?
1: Uh, Well, (laughs) shoot, I'm trying to think. Well, I've had some pretty good food. Uh, During the Super Bowl, I had some – my – Girlfriend made me some really, really good uh, stuffed tacos that were delicious. She made some homemade meatballs that I put away. Uh, she did some fried sausage that I ate. And um, i trying to think of the other thing that she made, some spinach dip that I ate too. So like Super Bowl, I had some really good food. And also I had some fried pickles and some wings. So I had a little bit of a little bit of everything in the last couple Jesus. of days.
0: So was it, did you all have a party or was it just you and her? It was just me and her. Was, wow and she cooked, all mean,
1: that I, stuff I, she cooked all that stuff a few days before for a uh for a work project but uh, okay i got th- i got three i got, th- I got, th- I got th- the benefits from it because a lot of this food she didn't really like herself but she did it for the work project and of course i'm the one that gets to rate the benefits from it so i guess i get to get the alex treatment what it feels like to be alex to get free food
0: yeah must be nice um Like, just cooking a lot lately and just trying some different stuff. I've been trying to be healthier. And uh, tonight, I actually – there were some frozen chicken wings on sale at Kroger. So, I got those, and uh, I found this recipe for how to slow cook them in a crock pot. And it's this uh, honey buffalo sauce that uh, I, I whipped up that I got all the ingredients for and just mixed up myself. And uh, it's pretty good. I'm not going to lie. It wasn't, uh, you know, frozen chicken. Frozen meat usually isn't great. Um, but it was actually pretty good. Uh, I wish I had, like, some, like, restaurant I'd been to. But I just, you know, just like I said, I've been trying to be healthy lately. And I haven't really been traveling a lot. So just been trying to, trying to eat at home. But hopefully uh, we'll be able to hit up some spots um, at some point. Um, I don't know if when I'm going to be in Memphis again. Uh You know, I know we got to go to the Catfish Hole in uh, Fayetteville, and we got a bunch of other recommendations too um, on our Twitter. So yeah,
1: Catfish Hole is number one on my list for destinations in the SEC that I want to eat at. I can't eat catfish due to allergies, but I will definitely hit up the uh, all-you-can-eat chicken tenders and put away all the hush puppies that the restaurant can make for me.
0: (laughs) You put ketchup on hush puppies? Are you eating by themselves?
1: No, I hush puppies by themselves they don't need ketchup to me good food does not need ketchup and i'm i am the biggest ketchup connoisseur that you will meet but for me hush puppies are awesome by themselves i don't need to dip them in anything i might dip them in some like you know melted butter but other than that i'm not putting ketchup on hush puppies
0: i like ketchup on hush puppies i don't know why but i've just always done that um i just wouldn't do it but also
1: uh you know you said you'd be in memphis sometime again you should come up to memphis uh, for March Madness. You know, I came to uh, Floyd, Mississippi. We partied and watched the uh, March Madness uh, first round and second rounds last year. So maybe it's time for you to return the favor depending on where we are. If you are uh, if you don't go to Destin, if I don't go to Destin, then we can definitely uh, watch the tournament together because that is my favorite sporting event of the year regardless of what my interest in college basketball was that season. So we could plan on that.
0: Well, if my work schedule works out, And uh, if your girlfriend promises to cook a bunch of food, then I'll come.
1: Sounds good. I'll get on that.
0: (laughs) I I still haven't even met your girlfriend. Are are y'all going steady now? Like, what's up?
1: Ah, We're doing (laughs) doing really well now. (laughs) We're doing really, really well.
0: Oh, that's good to hear, man. I'm glad. So you and Alex both have girlfriends. I don't know what's going on with Dalton, but I guess out of the four of us, I guess two of us are single still. I guess Dalton's still single, so I'm I'm yep, alright. Two as, of you, two 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 of you are single. As long as, two of lo- us, as two long of as us I'm not the only one, I'm okay with it.
1: Right, <laughs> you just don't want to be the only one. I don't think you have to worry about that because I I wouldn't count on Dalton.
0: Yeah, well, he talks a big game, but he's also kind of a sweetheart. So I feel like I feel like uh, if the right girl came along, he he would be all right with it. He he, he tries he, he tries to act like he would never, but. <laughs> Anyway, I know no, none of the people listening care about our friend who's never on the podcast, but just thought of that randomly. And, I, you know, me and you, we don't talk a whole lot anymore. You know what I mean? We text, but we never talk. Like, so it's kind of weird. This is, like, all we get. It is, like, because we, we haven't been doing
1: as many podcasts lately. Just, you know, it's kind of been a little bit of a dead period, college football season. ending. I mean, I'm still heavily involved in watching college basketball, and so is Alex. I know you're probably just watching, you know, just a little bit. I don't I don't really know if you're watching as many games besides Mississippi State games, are you?
0: No, not really. I, I did watch uh, I watched the Ole Miss-Texas A&M game tonight because uh, it was on, and I was you know trying to fix my dinner, and I uh, just was flipping around the channel. So, that was a pretty good game. Um, Ole Miss was able to hold on. But, yeah, I, I don't watch a ton of basketball, especially NBA. I'm just not interested at all. <laughs> um, you know, I'm much more of a baseball fan. And I'm ready for the season to start, um, and it's going to be a while. So you haven't really
1: watched any of the uh, top teams in college basketball, like Duke, Tennessee, Virginia, Michigan uh, State, Michigan, I watched, Gonzaga.
0: I watched the Duke Kentucky game to start the season, and I I don't think I've watched them play since then. But so you're uh, really,
1: just Mississippi State.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Unfortunately, I, I wish I was a, a better you know fan, but. Truth is, basketball just isn't my favorite sport, really. I'm, you know, I'm much more into baseball and football. And not, I will watch college fair. baseball, though. So that's the thing is, like, I'll watch college baseball. I'm like, you know, I'll watch uh, – they have the bases loaded thing on ESPNU. I'll watch that. And that'll just be like, you know, they'll just flip around to all the games. And uh, that's always pretty fun. And I'll watch Mystery State. You know, you can watch most of their games on SEC Network Plus now. So I'll stream a lot of their games. And, uh, you know, I really enjoy that. You know, baseball is a really big deal at Mystery State, um, like a really big deal. It is.
1: And college baseball is definitely getting a little bit more popular than it has been. I mean, definitely in college athletics has been driven by football and basketball mainly, but baseball has definitely gotten a little bit more popular in the
0: past five, ten years. Yeah. Well, the you know, it's you know, you talked about March Madness, but, uh, you know, the SEC tournament and the national tournament in college baseball is also really exciting um, you know, it doesn't really get a ton of buzz, but uh, it's actually a lot of fun. And um, obviously the SEC is great at pretty much everything, but it might be the best at baseball. I mean, there's –
1: Oh, yeah, I agree. I think I think the SEC is better at baseball than any of its sports, and that, that includes football too.
0: I mean, there's like – there's legitimately 10 to 12 SEC teams that could win the SEC this year. I mean, that's that's how deep it is. That's how many good teams are. That's how many good players are. I mean, you're watching guys who are going to be first, second, third-round draft picks, future MLB players. Like, you know, it's really – It is, and yeah. It's big time. I mean, there's – it's just uh, really exciting to, to watch. And, obviously, you know, being a Mississippi State fan, it's it's huge in Star It
1: is. And I feel like it's more wide open in baseball, too. Like like you said, I think – like you said, there's 10 or 12 teams that can win the ACC. But usually every year there's legitimately – Four to six teams that could win the conference in football. You can only maybe say one besides Alabama, you can maybe say there's one challenger for them in football, but other than, but in baseball it's always wide open,
0: yeah, and like there's no like uh like it's not really an upset like in in baseball, you know what I mean like one of the best teams could lose to one of the worst teams, and like it's just kind of like another game. Like it may it's, a, ser- it's a
1: series. Yeah. It may
0: surprise you like a little bit, but at the same time, like it's just like that's just baseball. That's just how it goes. It's baseball. You catch a team on a bad day, you you can
1: beat them. Like it's not. It's a lot less discrepancy. You know, like in baseball, like a bad team can easily beat a good team. You don't see that as much, and in, and in fo- obviously you don't see that in football. You'll still see it in basketball sometimes, but you'll see it a lot more in baseball.
0: Yeah, it's just it's not unusual at all. Like. That's why there's no such thing as, like, an upset in baseball because, I mean, it's just not – it just doesn't really no, happen no that up, way.
1: Yeah, upsets don't happen in baseball. And and that goes back to, uh, you know, in basketball with the NCAA tournament. Like, that's what the NCAA tournament is built on is the upsets by a lot of these, uh, you know, non-Power 5 schools, like from these small conferences that are FCS in football. But in basketball, they are Division one.
0: All right. Well, we better hurry up and end this thing because we've been rambling for about eight minutes now. Um, we have
1: been, yeah. But We can ramble on for hours.
0: <laughs> we really can. It's it's kind of a gift. Um, maybe they'll make that Olympic sport one day. Um, but uh, until next time, thank all of you for listening. You've been listening to the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. I am your host today, Holt Norris. You can follow me on Twitter at Holt Smash 1166 and my co-host is JB Brooks, and your Twitter handle is at Mr. Underscore JB Brooks, or Mr. JB Underscore Brooks.
1: It is at MRJB Underscore Brooks. Follow me if you'd like. I'm not as active, but uh, feel free to follow us on at SEC Slow Smoked. I tweet on there all the time. You can. Maybe if you follow us enough, you might be able to differentiate between me and Holt Alex, who's tweeting when.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's always kind of a fun game that I like to play between. If I didn't tweet something, I I can almost always tell which one of you tweeted it. But uh, we also have an Instagram. You can follow us at SCSlowSmoked on Instagram. Um, Subscribe to us on whatever podcast app you use. Um, Be sure to rate us and give us a review. Tell us that we ramble too much. It's fine. I, I would agree with you. Um, and uh, I guess it's about it. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back um, at some point. Probably we'll do something for. I'm sure we'll do something for March for the uh, SEC basketball tournament, and then something yeah. for the NCAA tournament, and then probably some stuff for you know spring games and stuff. All that stuff's gonna be going on around the same time, and uh, you know we'll just give you try to give you guys some more content. And um, you know, obviously we'll be tweeting just when stuff happens we'll you know i'll probably have like a smart ass thing to say about you know some coaching moves or whatever whatever may happen <laughs> uh, during, during yeah. the all season so so we'll we'll be yeah. uh, giving you guys some stuff there and uh but as far as podcasts go maybe take a little you know, a few more weeks before we get back uh, back up on here
1: yeah we got some exciting stuff coming uh, we'll definitely be doing a uh, little preview show for the uh, SEC uh, basketball tournament which will be played in Nashville in march and then after that, I think we're going to have some really fun stuff for the NCAA tournament. I think we come up with some exciting things, Holt, between you and me and Alex, maybe some little bets that we can hedge on when the brackets are made. And we'll probably do like a little bracket contest too that every one of you can join. And it's, it's going to be exciting. That's a little over a month away. But uh, we're going to, we've got some fun stuff coming up for SEC Slash and we want you to be a part of it.
0: All right. Well, you, you heard the man. Um... So uh until next time, we're gonna go ahead and get up out of here uh thank you all so much for listening for your support and uh all of that for this whole season and uh all right, we'll see you next time.